If you had 30 minutes with Jesus, just the two of you, over coffee and a donut, not sure if he would want a Boston cream or an apple fritter, but uh, any, any votes, Boston cream, yeah, apple fritter? Uh, I think it's leaning towards Boston cream. (laughs) Both. If you had 30 minutes with Jesus, what would you want to talk with him about? And what might he want to talk with you about? This is the question that we're considering in our summer series called Convos with Jesus where we zoom in on the Gospels and zoom in on encounters where people actually did have the opportunity to have face-to-face conversations with Jesus. We're considering what they talked about, why they talked about it, and what impact it had on their lives. Unlike the, the last message we did in this series... Uh, about the rich young ruler, uh, we found his story in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This today's story is found only in the Gospel of John, but like the story of the rich young ruler, um, we don't know the name of the person who had this conversation, at least not yet. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. So we're going to read in John chapter 4. If you've got Bibles or Bible apps, you can turn there and follow along. If you don't, that's all right. Just listen, lean in and listen close. John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, meaning John the Baptist. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself 
as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will become, uh, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come, keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that when Messiah, called Christ, is coming, uh, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Skip down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, now we have heard for ourselves, and we know this man really is the Savior of the world. Father, speak to us today by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. As John begins to tell the story of, his, of this encounter, he gives us a significant amount of background information in a short time in the first six verses. He says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why, why did he have to go through Samaria? We actually know that he didn't have to go through Samaria. At least that was not the only or even the most normal path to follow for a Jewish traveler to go from Judea to Galilee. Judea, Samaria, Galilee, right? All self-respecting Jewish people avoided the land of their sworn enemies who inhabited Samaria. 
They would rather travel twice as far, go all the way around uh, the, the, the region of, of Samaria, then take the shorter path through the Samaritan land. So, so if Jesus had to go through Samaria, it was for some other reason than that it was the only travel option. John kind of clues us in here to at least one reason why Jesus had to go through Samaria. He was trying to keep a low profile. The Pharisees now had him on their radar as a problem bigger than John the Baptist. And it says, therefore, he went from Judea to Galilee. But if he took the route that all the other Jews were taking, that's not a very low profile, is it? So he took a different route. He had to go through Samaria. But the other reason that Jesus had to go through Samaria was about to be disclosed as John unfolds this story. John was telling us that Jesus had a divine appointment with someone. Jesus is not afraid to go to uncomfortable places. He meets people where they are at, no matter how hellish that reality might be. And he wants us, his followers, to be willing to do the same. If we, like the Pharisees and other religious people, avoid all the people and places that make us feel uncomfortable, we will miss most of the divine appointments that God has for us. I'm not saying it's a good idea to just go and hang out in crack houses and bars for no reason. But sometimes we are so scared of being tainted by people in the world that we don't even know how to talk to someone who actually needs what we have been sent to share. So Jesus had to go through Samaria. And he comes to a place called Sychar. It was a town built on the ancient site of a place called Shechem. A city with a lot of history in the Bible. It was a place where 1,200 years before Christ, Jacob first came with his family after he left Laban and reconciled with Esau. And then it says that he settled just within eyesight of Shechem. He bought some land there and he settled for a while building an altar, and also digging a well. And now, 1,200 years later, on a dusty day in the noon heat, Jesus, tired from his journey, sits down by this same well. But he sat there with a purpose. A purpose we like to call strategic kingdom consumerism. 
You know, it's not a bad idea to frequent the same restaurants. To get to know the name of your server. To build relationships with someone so that maybe at some point God might have a divine appointment for a conversation. See, if we never put ourselves in those situations, we miss the opportunities that God might have for us. Right? Jesus sits down by this well. As we walk through this story today, we're going to see the unfolding revealing that happens in this woman's life of who this man is that she's talking to. First of all, uh uh-oh. Huh. Ignore this. I'm not sure what happened. Another one of our technical glitches today but I've got the wrong um, version of this slideshow up there. So, so just listen. First of all, Jesus is the stranger. Why was it important to tell us that it was about noon that Jesus sits by this well? Well, it tells us, first of all, why Jesus is there alone. Because the passage says his disciples went into town to find Pizza Pro. But it also tells us something about this woman. We know that going to the well was a social event for the women of any ancient Near Eastern town. They went early in the morning to avoid the heat of the day. And here is a woman making sure that she avoided all the women of the town. For some reason, she was unwanted, outcast from the community. And she hoped she would make it to the well and back today without seeing or talking with anyone. But not today. Today, there was a stranger at the well who asked too many questions. First of all, he asked her for a drink of water. Secondly, we see Jesus, she sees Jesus as the Jew. The stranger, the Jew. The moment he opens his mouth to speak to her, She knows that accent. She knows this man is a Jew. He's not just from any other town in Samaria. She's not used to people actually seeing her or giving her the time of day at all. But why this man? He's a Jew. He speaks to her. She's both a woman and a Samaritan. And if he did see her at all, he should have treated her like a dog as any other Jew would have. But Jesus sees her. He speaks to her. Jesus, folks, 
not only goes to uncomfortable places, but he cares about unwelcomed people. Again, we're, we're not told this woman's name, and I think it's a way for John to tell us she's a nobody. At least that's the way her town sees her. That's the way the culture and the world sees her. She was a nobody, but not to Jesus. Let me tell you, folks, if you today, whether you're watching online or here in this room today, if you feel unseen, not valued, outside of the community, maybe even unworthy of community, the creator of the universe will cross any space to meet you in any place to tell you to your face how precious you are. Thirdly, stranger, the Jew, and greater than Jacob. As the woman tries to brush him off, Jesus tells her that if she knew who he was, she would ask him for water and he would give living water. And her response is basically, who do you think you are? Are you greater than Jacob? Jacob whose name was changed to Israel? Jacob, the great patriarch from whom all 12 tribes of Israel descended? Jacob, the father of both Jews and Samaritans? Jacob, the revered saint of the Samaritan religion? But Jesus tells her, Jacob gave water that you have to keep coming back for every day. I will give you a water that will quench your thirst and that, will, and that inside of you, you will have a spring of living water that will sustain you for the rest of your life. And she's like, sir, give me that water. Right? I, I hate coming here in the middle of the day. I hate trying to get here when no one else is at the well. Give me that water so I don't have to keep coming here at noon and, and, and get water to take home to wash my clothes. Stranger, the Jew, greater than Jacob, and the prophet. Jesus replies to her statement with an odd request. Doesn't seem to make sense in the conversation at all. He says, go call your husband and come back. And Jesus wants to move this woman from talking about her physical thirst to the thirst of her soul. He wants to help her see that what she sees as the solution to her struggles is so not what will help her. 
she replies that she has no husband. That's all she says. She's keeping her cards close. She's not telling this stranger anything more than she has to. This conversation's getting weird. She's not about to disclose anything she doesn't need to. But Jesus has a word of knowledge that busts her life wide open. And he says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. And all of a sudden, this conversation gets really real. God has exposed this woman's heart and her life. This, folks, this is a picture of what the purpose of prophetic ministry is all about. We don't, it's, it's never to shame or embarrass anyone, and we don't see Jesus doing that here at all. But in this tender moment, her heart has been opened up. What is going on here? She knows this man could not know this information unless God had given it to him. Suddenly the reason that she is here at noon has been laid bare. She has run from relationship to relationship trying desperately to fill a hole in her soul that no man could fill. How many homes had she wrecked? And what kind of relational carnage had she left in her wake as she desperately tried to grasp something meaningful like a drowning woman pulling everyone else down with her as she tries to save herself? Isn't this the case for all of us? That we spend so long looking for peace and life and hope in all the wrong places. I hear a country song coming on. We think that if we just had a better job, kinder friends, a spouse that paid more attention to us, lived in a different town, won the lottery, right? Then our lives would be fixed and we'd be happy. The woman replies simply, Sir, I see that you're a prophet. Stranger, a Jew, greater than Jacob, the prophet, the Messiah. When, when Jesus' words hit so close to home, she throws up the denominational wall. I've had this happen numbers of times as I've talked to people about Jesus. Oh, well, I'm Catholic. I'm united. I'm Anglican. I'm whatever, right? In other words, I don't believe like you do, so I don't want to hear it. 
right? Right? Jews worship in Jerusalem, she says, and we worship here on this mountain. Sychar was in the shadow of Mount Gerizim. For centuries, the, the Samaritans had worshipped at a temple on the top of Mount Gerizim. We worship here. In fact, still to this day, there's about 800 Samaritans left in the world today. And they still worship on the top of Mount Gerizim. She said, we worship here on this mountain and you Jews worship in Jerusalem. Hey Siri. Um, you know, and she, she throws up this, this theological question. And Jesus says, a day is coming. Jesus says, a day is coming. When religion will become irrelevant, where temples and locations will not matter because worship will be a matter of the heart. A day, he goes on and repeats himself and he says, a day is coming and has now come. What does that mean? That means right now in this moment as Jesus is talking with this Samaritan woman, There is a revelation of kingdom reality that is happening. A revelation of what the kingdom is all about that is happening in this moment right now. A day is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You know, I think it's amazing. I don't know what caused this woman to seek for hope and life and peace in all of these relationships. I don't know what kind of man issues, father issues, what happened to her that led her down this path, but I think it's amazing that Jesus reveals God to her in this moment as the Father. She had probably never heard that phrase in her life, but that the Father was seeking worshipers that would worship in spirit and in truth. She says, I know that Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. That was the expectation of the Samaritan and the Jew. They were both looking for the Messiah. But here's the moment that we miss in our English translations of the Bible. Because in that moment, Jesus replies, I am. Ego eimi. It's the the phrase that John uses again and again in the Gospel of John called the I am statement, where Jesus identifies himself with the I am, Yahweh. 
And in those moments, there are, I, I think of one of them being the moment when, the, when the, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. Who are you looking for, he said. Jesus of Nazareth. I am. And it says they fell to the ground. In that moment of revelation of the glory of God manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus replies, the one speaking to you now, I am. And the conversation at that moment in, in the Gospel of John seems to come to an odd full stop. Jesus says that, and that's the end of the conversation. It's a weird way to end a conversation. The reason for this is that the woman in this moment has this revelation of who Jesus is. He is the Messiah, right? He is the Messiah. And in that moment, she jets back to town. In this 30-minute conversation... Jesus goes from being a stranger to a Jew to greater than Jacob to the prophet to the Messiah in 30 minutes. I don't know if it was 30 minutes. I'm guessing. But the story doesn't stop there. Her, this woman's life is transformed. Her heart is touched and healed and changed. And we don't even stop at the Messiah. But the last, the last one, Savior of the world. Savior of the world. The disciples, they come back in this moment as soon as Jesus says, I am He. I am. The disciples return with takeout. And this woman runs back to town. And there's a whole conversation that Jesus has with his disciples that we don't have time to get into this morning. But, but spoiler, it has something to do with how clueless they were about what just happened. And meanwhile, this woman goes running into town in the heat of the day, calling people out of their homes to preach to them. This woman who had who had been the pariah in town, who had been disgraced over and over again and had made such a mess of her lives and a mess of so many others' lives, she was the last person that they expected to be preaching in the town square. But here she was claiming that she had met the Messiah that they were waiting for. The miracle was they listened. She was a changed woman and they all saw it. Something astounding must have happened. And they actually follow her out to the well and begged Jesus to spend time with them 
And many of them became followers and declare he is truly the Savior of the world. Here, not only the most unlikely woman, but the most unlikely people group are the first ones to uncover the fullness of Jesus' mission on earth. Isn't that amazing? And the unnamed woman? Early church historians tell us that when she was baptized, she was given the name Photini, which means enlightened one or shining one. She became a powerful evangelist, traveled as a missionary to North Africa, preaching the gospel, and eventually traveled to Rome and was martyred by Nero, but not before leading Nero's own daughter to faith in Christ. Wow. Let's stand. Worship team, come, please. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you that Jesus came on a mission seeking each one of us. That this woman's story and her encounter with the, the unfolding revelation of who Jesus is could be any one of our stories. We thank you, God, that Jesus goes to unlikely places to touch the lives of unlikely people. And that those of us in this room and those of us watching online today that know you as Savior and Lord, we have experienced the life-changing work and power of the Savior of the world. Thank you for all that you have done for us. God, I pray if there's anyone listening to me today that does not yet know you as Savior and Lord, I pray that today you would take them one more step <clears throat> in that revelation. One more step in coming to know you as Messiah and as Savior. Show yourself to us today. Change us, God, from the inside out. God, I pray that as followers of Jesus and people who are called to, to be part of the mission of reaching the world with the hope of Christ, that God, we also would be willing to rub shoulders 
with uncomfortable people. That we would be willing to have conversations that are difficult and challenging. Because God, we live in a world that desperately needs the message and the hope of Christ. So move through our lives today, we ask, in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. What's God been speaking to your heart about today? Obviously, the main thrust of this message was making contact with those outside the kingdom. I want you to know this morning, Bathurst is ripe. They're people to be one. Peoples whose hearts are open. What is God saying to you today? I would encourage you to take some time today and to have a little talk with Jesus about what he is communicating to your spirit. Mm. And for those today who do not know Jesus, God is real. And this could be your opportunity this morning to give your life to you. I'm just wondering if we could all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in the room today and don't know Jesus personally, would like to come to know him right now. I'm just wondering if you could raise your hand to indicate that you would like to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Is there anyone today? Thank you, Lord. So as believers, I would encourage you today to take time with Jesus. Perhaps you have a special need in your life. Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe you need a miracle. He is a God miracle working Lord today. And there will be those at the front, part of the breakthrough ministry, who would love to pray for you. For those who have to go at this time, God bless you. We would ask you that you would fellowship in the foyer of the church because this room has been designated for a place of prayer this morning. Thank you for coming, and God bless you, and we hope to see you real soon. On bended knee I come With a humble heart I come Bowing down before your holy glory
Oh. 